The following is a breakout session from the 2014 Acts 29 conference in Dallas. Given the interactive nature of breakouts and Q&A, there may be extended periods of silence. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation of the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about um, teaching the church to give, uh, not only for the sake of... um, financing the church, making sure that you have resources for the church. But uh, teaching the church to give is, uh, it's, a, it's about God, it's about God's glory, it's, and it's about discipleship. And the, here's my, the core conviction that I have about uh, finances in the church. Uh, I don't think that we should think of finances in the church, we shouldn't think of raising money, we should think of making disciples. So we finance the church through making disciples, not raising money. Now, those, that might be, you know, a little bit too, maybe I'm being too picky. But the reason why I think that that's important to look at it that way, because if you look at it as we're fundraising strategies, um, you, can, you can do a lot of that in the flesh. And you can do a lot of that without the Spirit of God. But making disciples... Uh, is the strategy that the scriptures give us. It's the strategy that the Spirit of God uh, leads. So we're going to talk about that today. How do you do that? And um, so Brian Howard is, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself and what you do. And then, um, and so Brian is going to give very practical coaching for us on this. And then I'm going to illustrate it of what we do in our church at Living Stones. uh, And then we'll answer your questions about it at the end. So let's go ahead. Good. I'm Brian Howard. I live in Orange County, California, planted uh, Copper Hill Community Church in 2001 and then joined Acts 29 in 2005 and uh, served as the West Coast Regional Director for three or four years and on the board of Acts 29 for a couple of years and then moved to Louisville for three years and started Sojourn Network, which some of you have heard of, uh, and then back in Southern California now for a couple of years. Uh, For about the past um, seven or eight years, I've invested a lot of time in coaching leaders. And so currently I coach 30 pastors and leaders, including probably six or seven guys in this room. My sweet spot is probably in the 800 to 2000 range. So I coach um, most of the Acts 29 regional directors, Coach Matt Adair in the past. I've coached Steve Timmis and Dr. Moore from Southern Seminary and Dan Dumas and Randy Stinson and the vice presidents there. Four years coaching Andy Stanley's top 10. So I coached for them for four years. And so, so over the course of the last seven or eight years, I've had a front row seat to seeing what's happening in a lot of churches with giving. And, and several years back, I went through Leadership Network's Young Leaders Cohort, which I know some of you guys have gone through as well. It was interesting walking into that room and then sitting with those pastors for two years and realizing that as we went around the room, and Leadership Network, you know, I know some of you have been through it. They put guys in the same room, and then you articulate the kinds of things that you're wrestling with and struggling with and share ideas and network together. And, and this was a really common topic 
uh, the two com most common topics are how do we actually fund the mission and then how do we actually find staff people, especially in larger churches. How do we raise up or find staff people? So over the course of time, I put together six things, and this is we're going to teach. I'm going to teach this session again next hour in a smaller uh, cohort. Well, a lot more guys, but smaller churches. And it's different teaching this to guys that are between 100 and 200 because they soak it up and go, wow, we've never heard any of that. Now, you guys are pastoring larger churches and are on church staff teams. And so there might be four of these things that you're already doing well. But there might be one or two of these things where you go, wow, this is a piece that we're missing that in terms of just some good, solid, practical, here's how we can make sure that we're keeping giving in front of people. Uh, because oftentimes when giving isn't good in a local church, not all the time, but oftentimes we're just not, we're not doing a good job of keeping it in front of people. And so we've categorized this into six what, what we call pieces, all right, or, or components, all right? So we're going to walk through these things. And I don't know if, you, if you've studied this at all, but charitable giving is, is, is really alive and well in America right now. So in fact, I was listening to a podcast, Freakonomics, a couple days ago, and they, they, it's one of the most popular podcasts, and they were talking about giving strategies in terms of what motivates people to give, and I was curious about that. And they were giving statistics about the difference in giving 30 years ago to today, and it was dramatic. I mean, there's so much more charitable giving in America. People just aren't giving it to churches. And so the church giving is way down, but charitable giving is way up. So here, here are six things we're going to walk through that some of them will seem obvious and some of them, so some of them you might say, hey, we need to grow in that. So, so I would encourage you today to pick one or two of these things and say we need to grow in these things. All right, the first thing would be, I'm going to start with what's really obvious, is the biblical piece. All right, so of the six components... The first thing would be the biblical piece. Now, what I mean by this is I assume that at your church stage, probably by now, you have outlived the idealism of a church planner. So some of you planted churches and you weren't going to preach on giving and you weren't going to pass an offering basket and you were going to swear that you would never mention it because people have been heard about churches that talk about giving and all that sort of stuff. And so you got three or four years in. Some of you were smiling saying that was us. You got three or four years in. And you all of a sudden realize it's funny, our people don't give. They've uh, never been trained to give. They've never been taught to give. So, so if you're looking to see financial giving increase in your church, you have to stop apologizing for preaching the gospel of Luke since the whole thing's about money. I mean, money's all across. And I preached through Luke you know, verse by verse for a couple of years and really became convicted after our church was five or six years in that we just hadn't done that well. We had, we had, and, and, and I remember when I was at Sojourn hearing Daniel Montgomery get up and repent in front of the congregation and say, we're sorry that for 10 years we made you feel like it was okay for you to not give sacrificially. And so a lot of, a, a, a lot of younger churchgoers, and I, and I would hope that you guys are, are doing effective mission in your community, you can't expect that people are going to come in and are going to automatically know we're supposed to give. Now, so, so older churchgoers will come in and they might know that, but you've, you've got to systematically teach people about money. Now, what you might consider doing is you might consider, depending on how you, your preaching cycles go, that sort of thing, I'm just saying, think strategically, what are we going to do in terms of keeping giving in front of people biblically? You don't have to look very far in the New Testament to find it. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to teach on giving four times a year? Are we going to emphasize giving one month a year? My main point is to say, don't run away from it and don't avoid it if you believe the Bible teaches it. 
All right, now what we're going to do is I'm going to teach the principle, and Harvey and I did this in Reno in front of several hundred pastors, and it worked real well, and so they're doing this well, and so Harvey is going to kind of illustrate and say, here's what we're doing at Living Stones, uh, and, and you, might, you guys might learn from that. So what are you guys doing in terms of teaching, giving at Living Stones? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is right now, <clears throat> Living Stones churches, we're a multi-site church, and uh, our overall Living Stones churches is financially strong. But even it, within that, um, we have one church that's not financially strong. And so I, I, I'm not up here because we've got everything figured out. Um, we have one of our churches that just this last weekend, we had to go to the church and go, all right, stop everything. We're in the Gospel of John. We're not going to talk about the Gospel of John this week because the giving is, is so far behind and, and so bad that we had to stop everything and talk about it. So we didn't, So the first thing I would say on that is you have to have unapologetic Bible teaching on giving. And you have to teach it, teach it the way the scriptures present. Now, um, so let me give you a couple examples of sermons that uh, we've done. And we, were, we preached through the book of Galatians. You get to Galatians 6, I think it's 6, 6 through 10. And there's that section there. And uh, we did a sermon called, uh, that were the basic... Um, in the, the point of it was uh, grace stimulates generosity. The whole book of Galatians it's, is about grace. So we just talked about how God's grace stimulates generosity. And we taught it in a very unapologetic way. Um, and so I, we had another sermon called Pay Your Pastors from 1 Corinthians 9. We went through the book of 1 Corinthians. Amen. just talked about pay your pastors. Because that's what 1 Corinthians 9 is saying. Pay your pastors. And so... I say those things to give you a couple of examples, and I have some more up here, is to just say you have to teach it the way the Bible presents it. You have to teach giving the way just very uh, straightforward. And the, there's two things that will happen with that. <clears throat> One, uh, some people will get offended, but what I've found is the only people that get offended are church people uh, that, that don't like to hear about that and people that aren't giving. And what people that you're calling to discipleship, even lost people, I have found, actually don't mind. When you just say, this is what the Bible said, and you show them the text, and you say, this is what Scripture says, even though they might not start giving right away, they're like, yeah, that is what it says. As long as you just preach it straight, straight up from the Bible, that you're teaching them biblically, this is what it is. So I'll give you a couple other examples of what we've taught on. Um, we were preaching through the book of Exodus. And the section at the end of Exodus, when they're building the tabernacle, everybody gathers everything together to build the tabernacle. And we talked about how when God's grace comes down, our hearts move. And so God's grace comes down, everybody's hearts move, they, they give towards the building of the tabernacle. And we talked about, like, we don't have a tabernacle anymore. And, but we are building a church and the church is the people. And that takes all of us pulling our resources together. And we just taught that very straightforward. And then one that we just taught recently was uh, your money manifests your mission uh, from Matthew 6. And just talked about how uh, if you say you're on the mission of Jesus, your money will manifest that mission as well. And we just talked about very frankly your treasure, your heart, all of that. So the biblical piece is key. Good. And the two ways that you might run, the, the two ways that you might mess up on this piece is one, just being afraid to talk about money, being afraid to preach what the text says. And the second thing would be just, a, just a, 
maybe just an ignorance or a laziness of not actually thinking through, if we don't teach on this, our people won't know. And if you're, if you're, if you're calling people uh, into relationship with Christ that are unbelievers, they've never heard this before. All right. Number two would be the practical piece, all right? The biblical piece, number one. Number two is the practical piece. I learned this about two years into our church plant, and a, <clears throat> a young man came to me and he said, hey, I, I, I want to know where the money goes. And instantly I was defensive. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, here we go. You know, you want to know what every, everybody's paid. And, and so I, I remember calling him and saying, hey, let's get together. We met, and here's what he said to me. He said, I married a girl who was an unbeliever, she recently became a Christian, and she has no idea of how a local church spends money and has no idea why a church even needs money. And so I realized, and I'm going to read this off something that I wrote here, modern givers are not likely to offer blind trust with their giving. This isn't 30 years ago where people just, you know, I, I preach in Burbank on Sunday mornings. Right now I'm interim pastoring at a local church. A lot of people in there are over 80 and they give so much money because they're over 80. And they just, they're going to give no matter what you say. That's, that's not the way young people are. And so rather than being defensive toward curious churchgoers, look for ways to educate your people about how resources are allocated. Now, if you're Baptist, you probably have some sort of process where the church affirms your budget or something like that. But if you're a strict elder rule and you don't have much congregational participation... You're going to need to find ways to educate your people rather than just assuming, hey, give. Because you might even teach on it, but people are still going to go, we have no concept of what you even need money for. Now, you don't have to be rigorously specific. I was in the car last night with, with a couple, with Steve Timmis and David Fairchild. And we were talking a little bit about this whole uh, concept of how much information uh, should you give to the congregation. And there's different opinions on that, but, but I, we, could, we could talk this through. But I think you have to be careful to be rigorously, I wouldn't be rigorously specific because money is really subjective. You know, to, to, you make $60,000 and the guy who makes twenty five feels like you are sinning because you're so rich because he works at Starbucks. And the guy who makes one forty feels like, how do you live on that? You know, and so you can almost never win with specific detail that's, you know, where you're going over the top. But you do have to educate practically, at least generally, people in, in terms of this is what it looks like. That, and how might you do that? You might ask for affirmation of an annual budget. Or you might just, you might give at your membership meeting a couple times a year, you might say, hey, here's our, fig, our five big categories. You know, we've got our operations budget and our staffing budget and then missions and ministries and savings or whatever. These are our five big categories. We want you to know what we're doing here. This is how much goes to missions. This is what, this is what just so people have a general practical understanding. And, and, and the reason behind this, not necessary 30 years ago, necessary today because people are not, are not prone to offer you blind trust with writing a check today. How are you guys doing this at Livingstone? Yeah, so it's just educating people. We have a lot of, uh, so there's a couple things. One, we have a lot of young people in our church. We have a lot of conversions in our church. So there's people without church background. They have no idea, like you said, where, why we would even need money. So educating them like, okay, we have to pay pastors, and we have to, they have families. They have, we also have to get them medical benefits. And just sometimes just connecting those dots for people, like, 
oh yeah, I guess that's a, that's a big deal. And then like, oh, we also have to buy our pastors a computer. Oh, okay, I guess that costs money. And just telling them, all right, obviously we got to pay for this building. Somebody's got to keep the lights on. And then just walking through uh, on a consistent basis, maybe a couple times a year when you talk about giving, when the, you know. So for us, I think it's maybe, it's usually three or four sermons a year about giving. Uh, as it comes up in the text, as we're preaching through books, or we'll strategically place those. Or if it doesn't, we'll, we'll have some sort of stage communication about it where we will m- make some mention of these things. Other things that we'll communicate about is we give a lot of money to church planting. So uh, in order to give a lot of money to church planting, we have to have a lot of money coming in so that we can give a lot of money out. So we give you know 10% to church planting, and then on top of that, we give money away to, uh, you know, different mercy ministries within the city. And so when we communicate that to our church, we say, when you give, it goes to these things. Some of them we're giving away, and some of them we're keeping here for these uh, different things. Yeah, so it's just, and then just materials, children's ministry materials, uh, tools to do the ministry. Um, People just don't connect the dots that all of that stuff cost money, especially young people. They just show up and it's all here and it's all great. And they think, wow, this is just here and it's here for me and why would I ever have to give to that? And just teaching them, no, somebody has to pay for this. And uh, yeah, so I think that that's a big piece of it, especially if you have a lot of young people in your church. I think the older people in our church already connect those dots, um, but the younger people in our church, they're not connecting those dots. So. So keep in mind these two things, that the era of blind trust giving is over, okay? And second, the larger the church, the less detail that needs to be communicated oftentimes. Okay, now not everybody agrees with that, but I just think you need to be careful with how much detail you communicate, but look for ways to highlight things that are important that you're giving to. Number three, the reminder piece. This is really, really important, okay? Okay. Churches often, in fact, this might be the greatest violation of these six in, in, the, in, in a room like this with pastors of churches this size. Churches oftentimes make the mistake of failing to keep giving in front of people. All right? So, and here's the thing is that we're oftentimes either forgetful about giving or lazy regarding giving. And, and consider this, a person who doesn't give for four months, what will they do when they figured out that they haven't been giving? Will they make up those four months? Nope. They'll give one check. And they'll go, awesome. You know, we saved $1,200 in the last four months or whatever. They, they won't make it up. And they'll rationalize it somehow. And so you've got to keep giving in front of people. And no one carries a checkbook to church. Holy cow, that's miserable, right? So people don't carry a checkbook to church. I don't even know where our checkbook is. My wife uses it to write checks for the basketball program at our school all the time. And that's all we use it for. So... So passing the plate can't be the only reminder. So what are you going to do to keep giving in front of people? Here, here's a few things. Did I put them up there? Yeah, okay, so here's, here's a few things. And you might just pick out something here you're not doing well. Send regular giving statements, and I don't mean January 28th. I mean, I mean probably quarterly, maybe monthly, De- depending on what you want to do, like pay somebody 12 bucks an hour or whatever to send out regular giving statements. Because when you get that thing in the mail, or whatever, whether it's email or whatever, it's a reminder, oh, here's what you're giving or here's what you're not giving. 
All right, mention here, second, and quarterly is minimum on that. Mention giving weekly whether or not you pass an offering plate. Now, and, and think about how long you take to prepare a sermon. All right, so, so a lot of you in here are lead pastors. You're going to spend 12 hours preparing your sermon. Your worship leader is going to spend three minutes talking off the top of his head. And then, yeah, right? <laughs> and, then, and then you're just going to, and then what you're going to do, that's another session for another time, right? So what, what you're going to do is you're just going to flippantly say something about giving. God loves a cheerful giver. What I would say is why not spend 10 or 15 minutes, whether it's you or somebody else, and think through what you're going to say every week. I mean, take, take 30 seconds or a minute and instruct people from God's Word, even if the sermon isn't on giving. Just think about that. What, what, how are we going to keep giving in front of people? Generosity. All right, so whether or not you pass an offering plate, maybe you just have a basket in the back or whatever, uh, keep giving, mention it weekly, all right? And then one more thing. Make giving easy by encouraging people to set up online giving profiles. Now, it's amazing how many large churches do this poorly. Because I asked the guys I coach, I coach at least 20 guys that pastor churches over 1,000. And so I ask people this question, and it's amazing how difficult it is sometimes to set up an online giving profile. Once a person sets up, most of us, like I don't pay my mortgage every month, it just comes out of the checking account. I try to pay no bills. You know, I, I try to, unless it's like your electric bill where it's different every month, I try to have everything automated so I don't forget to pay it. And a, and, a, and a lot of us, you know, I, there are some people that want to write a check, walk forward, drop it in the offering on Sunday morning as an act of worship to God. I, for me, I feel like I'll forget to do that. I don't know where the checkbook is. I, I would rather know when giving is mentioned and preached about, we gave this past week because it automatically comes out of my, ch or whatever, on the first of the month. So what you've got to do is you, like some of you need to clean all that up. And say, okay, we've got to make it really simple. And not only offer it, but encourage it. And say, hey, you know, a good way, because doesn't the Scripture say to, to decide in your heart what you're going to give, set aside an amount and give it? Well, you're doing that when you set up an online giving profile, okay? So this eliminates forgetfulness and laziness. All right, Harvey? Yeah, <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to walk you through a couple things that we do at our church uh, but before I do that, I want to point out something that I saw recently at a church that I thought was one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, it was at Ryan Kwan's church, and they were, right before they took the offering, they, he, Ryan got up, and uh, he, you know, he talked about, okay, we're about to take the offering. He said, last week, I think he said, eight new people gave to this church, hmm. and everybody started clapping and celebrating. I, w I was like, whoa. There is a culture in this church about giving uh, that is celebrated. So we haven't started doing that in our church yet, but we're going to do it, Ryan. That was great. So that, that's something I would offer. There's something around the culture in giving going on in your church and then the way you guys set it up. And then when, when the offering was taken, there was just like a, a celeb. It was like a part of worship and celeb celebration. So here's a couple things. I I'm going to stand up because I'm going to have some things on the screen. So this is what we do. I agree weekly, uh, but I here's something that we do monthly. It's called our monthly report. So this is our monthly update that we give to all of our churches about what's going on in the church. And the purpose of this is to get connect giving to vision and mission, to let people see on a monthly basis 
where their money is going, why we need money coming in, and, uh, and to just continually put it before them. And, and you'll see kind of what we do on this. So you put the first one up. So recently we did a work day at two uh, inner city schools. And so we, we put it up on the screen. And what I'll do is I'll walk them through. I'll say, okay, so we stuffed uh, two buses with donated items for these kids that are in need. And I'll talk about these kids and what they need and why they need it. And I'll give the vision on that. And then I'll talk about... Um, you know, more than 225 volunteers from our Reno church went down to these schools, and they served all day. They worked from 8 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon. They worked all day. They served. They worked together. They made a serious impact. Uh, then, you know, I'll walk through the whole thing, and then by the time I get done with that thing, probably while I'm walking through it, people are erupting in applause, okay? They're celebrating what our church is doing. People are excited. We're doing this together, right? Okay, then I'll go to the next slide. And this is, a, this is we, we did a whole monthly report based on what's going on in our children's and youth ministry. So I, uh, we did this sermon on uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And so in our children's ministry at our Sparks Church, they, instead of washing feet in our children's ministry, they washed hands. And the kids' hands are all dirty, and so they're washing hands, and they wash, watch the, the dirt come off their hands and go into the water, and they, they see how dirty the water gets. And then the teacher turns around and talks about how, you know, that's what Jesus has done for us. He's cleansed us and to, walks them through the gospel. And a couple of the kids get the gospel for the first time. And I tell our church that, and the, the kids are seeing their need for Jesus. And then I tell them the story of the teacher that goes to Pastor Kyle, who's the lead pastor at the Sparks Church, and starts weeping because... Uh, this teacher is leading kids to Jesus, teaching kids the gospel. And the, again, the church is erupting and clapping and celebrating and everybody's uh, excited. Then, you know, I've walked through another story, a, a couple kids at the Car Carson Church that helped their parents set up uh, because that's more of a church plant situation. So I also com I'm communicating, hey, we're, a, we're, we're planting churches and, the, you know, at the Reno Church, we got this nice, nicer building. It's not super, it's not like this nice. It's a nicer building. And we have, but then at the Carson Church, they're set up, tear down every week. And the, these kids are helping their parents set up and tear down every week. And they're celebrating that whole thing. And so we're communicating church planning. We're communicating kids being part of the mission, parents being part of the mission. I tell the story of this kid uh, Declan, who took his birthday money. This is a literal story that I pulled from the Elko Church, asked the Elko pastors, uh, took his birthday money, and he wanted to give his birthday money to the food drive that they were doing at the Elko Church. So again, connecting vision and mission. Again, another one, a girl that went to the youth camp. You get the idea. Let's go to another one. Another girl that was Mormon uh, went to the youth camp found Jesus, met Jesus. So I'm telling these stories of redemption. And, uh, and then, we, then we also give it an opportunity to connect it to serving. Like, hey, this is an opportunity for you to serve in LS Kids, an opportunity for you to serve in our youth ministries. And then, you know, talk about how you can pray for our youth ministries, how you can pray for our kids' ministries. And then it goes to this. Okay, this is where we're at in our giving. I tell the whole church, this is where we're at in our giving. And to give them that update, go to the next slide. This is our goal for the next month. This is where we have to be. So there, 
I've already set up, this is, this is why we need money. This, this is one area, at least, why we need money. And this is what needs to come in. This is where our different churches are at as far as money coming in. And then I end with this. This is how you can give. And so I, I just take a moment on this and I say, okay, here's how you can give. You can give through bill pay, so you can set it up with your bank. And we, set it up, we have it all set up online on our giving page. So you can go to our giving page, livingstoneschurches.com, and you can look at what we have there. Um, offering envelope. We have these huge offering envelopes at Livingstones, uh, so you cannot miss them. And um, you can get, so you can give during the service. We set up uh, lsgive.com, which is, uh, our, um, uh, connects to our giving page. You can give at a giving kiosk, so we have something out in the lobby where you can give with a card, ATM card, So because people don't bring their checkbook. So you say, okay, no problem. Giving kiosk out there in the lobby, go ahead and give that way. And then we say, if you have any questions, we're continually saying, please email us, please come and talk to us. We're always opening that door. Hey, we want to talk to you about finances. We want to talk to you about what's going on in our church. So this, we do this monthly. So weekly, we're passing the plate. Uh, monthly, we're doing this, and then yearly, we do this year-end report that is uh, deliverable. We put in everybody's hand that says, okay, this is what we did this year. This is who our staff is. This is where the money went. This is what came in. This is why the money came in. All of that, just communicating, communicating, communicating so that people understand where all the money is going. So, Good, and Livingstones has given hundreds of thousands of dollars to church planting every year as a result of that. It's good. Okay, the biblical piece, preach on giving. The practical piece, make sure people understand what church finance looks like. The reminder piece, keep it in front of people. Number four, the membership piece. Uh, and I'll just hit this quickly because you probably are, are good here. If you if you aren't Calvary Chapel, you're probably not because you're an X29, and you, uh, you believe in, in church membership, then this is a great time for you to lay out the expectation. You probably already do that in a membership interview or in your membership class, but add giving to the commitment that a person makes when he or she joins a church. In your membership interview, those of you that like Mark Dever, uh, discuss and explain giving for a church member right after they've cried and articulated the gospel, which you're happy about because it's their membership interview, or if you've told them, I'm not sure you really get the gospel, when you talk through what it looks like to be a member of the family, I have four kids, two teenagers and two smaller kids, and uh, I oftentimes use this analogy. Uh, we live in a two-story home, and uh, if there's something at the bottom of the stairs, you know when you clean up the downstairs and sometimes you put something on the bottom stair? You know if it's yours, pick it up and take it upstairs. And if that pile starts to grow, it's like I have a talk with the kids and say there's stuff of your, like we all pitch in because we're all part of the family. And so you can explain that in the membership piece. You're, jo you're joining a family here. You're committing to a group of people. And it's a good time, too, for you to explain here's how you set up giving. So just don't let your, don't let your membership process go by before you've clearly articulated on the front end of membership. Then you'll have a, a more committed, financially committed church membership. All right, so you're probably doing that. But if there's any holes in your process in that area, uh, on the membership side, make sure that, you, that you're rigorous there. Yeah, well, one thing that we do a couple things with membership to be a member at Living Stones, we we don't even we say to be a member you have to to make giving part of that. We talk about four things. You have to commit to obviously coming to church on a regular basis. You have to commit to being in community through community groups. 
you have to commit to giving and you have to commit to some kind of serving and and based on your life and what's going on in your life so it's different for moms and it's there but we but we talk about those things so you can't really become a member at living stones unless you're willing to commit to giving now what we're working on now and we're not good at we're going to figure out in the future is the follow-up process on that because people up front go okay i'll commit to giving and then they just don't sometimes and they become members so we're trying to figure out how do we follow up without it being like a law-based condemning thing um but yeah that's where we're at with that good number five is the commitment piece so this is a little more um this is a little bit more of a fringe principle, I guess, and so you might like this and you might not, but it's something that you could at least consider throwing in your toolbox to think about. The last time I did this, Leonce was sitting in the front row, and then we did a panel together afterwards, and I think if I'm right, Leonce's church does this. You can ask him, but, but uh, this is what this looks like. You, you just could, could consider this, all right? Consider asking congregants, asking members of your church to make an annual giving commitment. Now, they used to do this back in like the Baptist world with faith promise and that sort of thing, if you grew up in that world, all right? So it would look something like this. You would set your annual budget in the fall, planning on growth for next year, Let's, unless your fiscal year, all right? So if your fiscal year, you would set it, you know, in May or whatever. But you'd, let's say your, your calendar year, you'd set your annual budget, say in November, and then you would communicate the annual budget to the congregation. You guys, our budget next year is $3 million. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give $300,000 to church planning. We've got this. We've got this. And, and all these other pieces play in now. You've preached on it. You've reminded people. And, and, and then you're going to say, you know, because it's biblical for a, a believer to consider what are the resources that God has entrusted us with, uh, what are we going to give, and to make, make a commitment to that. Okay, so you could say, hey, will you make a commitment? Write down a number. What do you think you can give next year? Well, we can, we, we, you're calling them to say, we can give $500 a month next year, whatever, whatever that would be. So keep in mind that making an advanced decision concerning what you will give is, is biblical, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So that might be something where you go, man, we're not really comfortable with that. Or you might go, no, actually, people, people give to vision oftentimes. And it would, it would force you to say, we're going to have to, we're going to have to communicate in compelling fashion uh, what we're going to do uh, as a church in terms of impacting our community. And so we want to make that clear to our congregation and then call them to participate. All right? Any thoughts on that? You guys do that a lot? Yeah, stuff? we do the... Uh, so we... Anybody have the city? You guys have the city? On the city, it allows you to set this thing up where people can do a yearly giving pledge. And so we do that. And then we ask people, we ask our members... Every year, update your giving pledge. So, Leon's heard me talk about him and just walked in. Isn't we just funny? talked about you, man. So, too late, man. All right, number six. Uh, number six is the leadership piece. Okay, now, again, you might have this all settled up, but you might not. This is a particular problem, especially in younger churches. But how can we ask people to give if leaders don't first model giving? All right, so I, now. When we planted, we grew really rapidly in the first three or four, three or four years, and then we, you know, we became a, a larger multi-staff church, and then all of a sudden we woke up to six or seven elders after five or six years, and then, I don't know, I think when I joined Leadership Network and I started hanging out with Scott Rideout and Gilbert, who's like the giving master in, in the Phoenix area, 
I began getting concerned. And, and, and I think our bookkeeper said, hey, a couple of our leaders don't give anything. And they were elders. And uh, the same thing, uh, see, I have to be careful what I say about church names, but, but um, I've seen this happen a couple of times where you've got key elders, uh, key church leaders that don't give anything. Now, healthy giving churches have leaders who are committed to the mission of the church and are willing to give to support it. Again, what I'm looking for here when I give you these six things is for you to find a chink in the armor somewhere. All right, so maybe there's a chink in the armor here for you. Maybe you're saying right here, I'm not sure that our leaders actually give. And, and maybe, you're, maybe you're from a background where you, where you don't feel comfortable looking at it or something like that. So, but I would say for sure, do not allow a man to become an elder until you have clearly had somebody look at his giving because it's a lot harder later. Whatever you believe about that biblically or philosophically, when you look at the secular world, could you ever sit on a board of an organization if you were not financially invested in that organization? It would never happen. In the nonprofit world, oftentimes the boards are made up of people who are the most aggressive givers. So what you want to make sure and do is, and this depends on your context, but don't put a person in a high leadership position without first ensuring that the person is faithfully giving. Now, some of you know I went and worked for Sojourn Church for two years, three years. I preached 26 times a year split the pulpit with Daniel for, for, the, for my first two years there. When I got there, we probably had 20 full-time staff people. When I left, we had, I don't know, a lot more than that. And we, during my tenure there, we looked at this, and I led the charge on this because I was already speaking on these sorts of things, and, and we realized, man, we, we want to implement this across our whole staff. And so we might have had 100 staff people. We basically said, in order to be on our staff at Sojourn, You've got to give, and we asked them to give 10%. And we, we mandated that across our whole staff. And we basically said, this is part of what it looks like. We want to know that you are financially bought in if you're a leader. Go do a capital campaign. Recently, I, I'm coaching a guy, larger church, did a capital campaign, and then found out that three of his six elders didn't pledge anything to the capital campaign. Of course, we had the conversation, how did you ever get to the front of the church before asking your elders first to make their commitment in advance, because that's the way it goes. And then you can stand in front of the church and say, we've already committed to this. So so uh, consider the leadership piece. Now, anything on that? From yeah, we, we do the same thing. So before you can become elder, staff member, uh, community group leader, deacon, we check your giving. And we say, because that it's kind of like, if you're not doing that, to me it's like, if you're not doing the ABCs of Christianity, how in the world would we let you lead a community group? So that's like the basic, to me, that's the basic thing of following Jesus. Like, do you pray? Do you get, I mean, there's some basic things. And um, so we, we didn't always do that, though. And there was a period where we did a giving check on all of our leadership, the first one we ever did. And uh, there we found out that there was a couple of our elders that were, they were giving, but it was really small. And then there were a couple of our community group leaders that weren't giving at all, a couple of deacons that weren't giving at all, and we had to go have hard conversations with them and call them to repentance because it, it's basically a sin issue. And, um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, we, we follow up on that now. We just did a leadership giving report. If you do this, just be prepared to be depressed because right. on one hand, you're going to be depressed, and like on the other hand, you're going to see some people, you're like, wait a minute. That guy's like a school bus driver, and he's one of—he's an amazing giver. 
And how in the world does he give that much? You're going to be blown away by some of your leaders. And then some of your leaders, you're going to be like, that guy makes $250,000 a year, and he gave $3,000 last year. What in the world? Like, and you're going to have to go have a card. So it's going to be both of those things. And, you, and if you do that, you're going to have to have to go have those hard conversations. The other thing is people say, well, I don't want to know what people give because I don't want to be influenced by that. Uh, well, Larry Osborne told me, I, I used to have that opinion. Larry Osborne then told me, well, just don't be influenced by it then. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's a good point. So, yeah. And I know that this, you know, th there might be a lot of controversy surrounding this particular point because, you know, if you ever have looked at the giving, you will walk away, like Harvey said. You'll walk away with a pit in your stomach because you'll go, I thought those people were invested or whatever. So my point isn't that you should necessarily go look at giving yourself and get all depressed that your best friends aren't giving. My point is larger than that. It's that if your leaders are not setting the way in giving, it's going to be hard for you to call your congregation. So you need to figure out what that looks like in your context. Now I'm going to summarize in sort of a wrap-up here, and then we're going to take some questions. It's not important to us that you agree with us on every one of these points. So even in the question and answer, you might say, well, I disagree with you on number two. Well, well, great. That's not really the point. The point is, consider your local church. Is there something here where you're going, I think we can be more effective in this area? All right, so preach on giving. You need to do something there. Do your people understand the practical side? Are you reminding them effectively? Number four, uh, is it a part of your membership process? Five, consider perhaps asking people to make an annual commitment. And then six, are you sure that your leaders are giving? So my, my challenge to you would be, is there one or two of these things where you go, we really need to shore this up? And if you're here as a team, consider this, talk about it, and figure out what you can do more effectively. We've got uh, about 10 minutes here for questions, so we'll take any questions you have on any of this and then wrap it up. So the question is about what number of people who on who knows who gives what, and then on your staff, you're the only one who knows some of that information. Well, yeah, I mean, me and, and my assistant helped in the process. Of okay. Yeah. So f here's you have to just make a philosophical decision as an elder board. For us, after some of my conversations with Larry Osborne and others, we made a philosophical decision that, okay, that's a good point. Can we, can, can we just make a decision not to let that influence us? To treat the person that doesn't give, give it all or the person that is poor the same as the person that is our best giver. Could, can we really do that? And we prayed about it and talked about it. And we thought, yeah, I think we can. And then for the health of the church, we're going to go ahead and, and just know what people give. And so we made that decision and uh, we keep each other accountable on that. But what we do is basically our, our, most of our staff elders know, and we have 
know a couple things. They know what our leaders give. We do a leadership giving report. And they know what our, who our top 50 givers are. The reason we, we do those two things is what we just talked about, following up with the leaders, making sure, keeping accountable, and encouragement of the leaders. So you, one thing is we encourage all of our best servants in the church. Why don't we encourage our best givers in the church? And we just realize we need to be encouraging these people. They're sacrificing a lot to make this church go. And then top 50 givers, we encourage those people as well. And so uh, that, that's our, those are the people that are carrying the bulk of the load for this church. So we want to make sure that they are valued and encouraged. And so what we do as pastors is we go to those people and we just say, hey, like I have conversations with those top 10 givers and I say, hey, just want to let you know, like I don't do a whole bunch of extra stuff for them. I might take them out to lunch or something like that. But I just go to them and I say, I want to let you know that you're not crazy for giving a lot of money to this church. And here's why. And I tell them stories about people getting saved. And I tell them stories about leaders being raised up. And I tell them st stories about churches getting planted. And I tell them stories...